Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Is anybody else as thankful for our one-legged pianist as I am? Thank you. That, uh, I haven't heard... I don't know who holds tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand in a long time. And that took me back to a basement with a bunch of my mama's family singing songs for a minute. I appreciate that very much. I should go back there more often, but it takes something to take you back there. Any of you have a place that occasionally you hear something, you see something, you smell something, And it takes you back somewhere. Uh, And that's a good place for me in in my Uncle Terry's basement, listening to Mama's family sing. My Mama's family uh, is one of those families that'll get on your nerves. Every one of them can sing something or play something or or do something musically. And uh, most of them can do, well, about anything they decide to do musically. Uh, And it was a lot of fun when they would get together and I remember when my grandmother was still alive just watching her joy seeing all ten of her babies singing songs and playing pianos so thank you for that Hebrews chapter 2 drifting away and this evening we start with a question it's kind of fitting that I would drift away during the offertory song even Uh, to to that place in my mind, uh, though we're going to be discussing a different kind of drifting this evening, not necessarily a positive kind of drifting. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and we start with this question as we begin. Have, have, Have you ever had a time in your life when you felt closer to God than you do now? Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt like your Uh, Bible study has been better, your joy has been fuller, your communion has been purer, your prayer life has been stronger, a season in your life where perhaps you felt closer to God than you do at this very moment. My friend, if you felt closer to God at some time in your life than you do in this very moment, then you've drifted away. You know, it's widely reported, I'm a Discovery Channel nut, that's not what's widely reported, but I'm a Discovery Channel nut, you can widely report that now, and it will be too. But it's widely reported that Admiral Robert Perry was the first person to ever lead an expedition to the geographic North Pole. And in his time of leading this expedition, calculations still depending on the the stars and and on the sun's location, where it rose, where it set. And so every evening he would sit down to figure his calculations to where true north was for their next day. And so he prepared one evening, he calculated, he figured, and he did all of his, his, his thinking and his processing, and he came up with due north, and they traveled all day, they woke up early that morning and they went from, from can till can't, if you know what I mean. So they got up that morning, went as hard as they could all day long. And when they quit that evening and Admiral Perry did his calculations, he determined that they were further south than they were when they started. And for three straight days, 
this trend continued. What Admiral Perry finally figured out is that they were on what we would now call a large glacier. And the glacier was descending away from the North Pole faster than they could run north to get off of it. And so they were drifting away every single day. Tragically, many believers today are just like that. We're traveling on a glacier of sin that's drifting us further and further away from where we needed to be heading, faster than we can even see that it's going on. And the writer in Hebrews gives us a warning about slipping and sliding and drifting away from God this evening. Please stand if you're able this evening in honor and reverence for the reading of the holy words of God from Hebrews chapter 2, the first four verses. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Let us pray, Father God. God, we thank you this evening for a moment to dive into your word together. God, we pray that you would bless these next moments that we share together, that you would be honored, that you would be glorified, Lord, that you would be praised because you alone are worthy of that praise. God, even now, even now, Lord, that we could focus on you and draw nearer to you. For it is in your precious name, as all God's children said. Amen, and you may be seated. I believe there are going to be three things that we're going to see from our text. And the first thing we're going to see is that there's a tendency we must admit. There's going to be a tendency that we're going to have, and we have to admit that that problem is there if we're going to deal with that problem. At the end of verse 1, uh, we see that the writer describes it as drifting away. Uh, drifting away. Now, the book of Hebrews is really almost kind of a book of warnings that's been given. There, there's several warnings that are laid out to the believers in the book of Hebrews. And, and this evening, we're really looking at the first of what is five warnings that we're going to be taking a look at uh, over the next few Sunday evenings together. But we're going we're to look to the end warning first and work our way backwards and then preach through this first one together tonight. And so if you, you look forward, if you were in chapter 12, you would see that the writer gives us a warning against not listening to the voice of God. It's against, this warning is against hearing and sitting under the teaching and preaching of the holy word of God and saying, I am going to do what I want to do anyway. That's the warning that we see in chapter 12. In chapter 10, we see that there's a warning against willfully sinning after the truth has been made knowledgeable to us. So after we know that a sin is a sin, after it's been revealed to us that what we're doing is wrong in the eyes of God, we continue to do it anyway. And there's a warning against that in chapter 10. In chapter 6, 
There's a sober warning that there's going to be a great apostasy, a great leading of false teachers in the church, and we have to be prepared to see those things. Chapter 4, there's a warning of an impending judgment that is coming. And in chapter 2, we have a warning against drifting away from God. In verse 3, if you look with me, we kind of see a rhetorical question. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And what he's really pointing out to us is is that the drifting is not going to be an issue of ignorance, right? If you're saved, you have the knowledge of God. You have the knowledge of everything you need. But if you drift away, it's going to be more an issue of neglect. Not what is known, but what is done or not done. I read one commentary on this text, and it said, Many Christians lack a period in their lives of long obedience in one direction. And as I pondered on that uh, writing, I began to think that that writer was being pretty generous. I believe that my testimony, and I believe that most of yours, if you were being honest, would echo more let all Christians struggle with any long period of obedience in their lives. We may get it right for a little stretch, but we struggle as a people to have a long period of obedience. If you looked at my life on one of those graphs, you would find that it, that, that it looks more like mountains and valleys than straight lines of steady. Man, I mean, I get, son, I get on fire and I get up here and I'm just as obedient to God as I can possibly be. And then something happens and the rug slips out. And the next thing I know, I'm, I find myself down in a valley and I look around and realize that I'm not doing what I ought to do. And then prayer life takes off and, and God, I find out that God never really moved, right? I start clawing back closer to God, man, and he's, he's working on me, and I'm climbing and climbing, and all of a sudden, and, it's, and that's, that's kind of what it, it looks like for me if you looked at a, I don't know what kind of graph, somebody help me out, one of them type graphs, you know what I'm saying, um, those of you listening on Facebook, you don't know what I'm saying, but it's, it's one of them type things, and the tendency that this writer is speaking of is one that I think is echoed perfectly in that old hymn, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Think of it this way. If you went to Lowe's this evening and you bought a simple untreated two-by-four and you laid it out in the yard, what would you have to do for it to begin to decay? Nothing. It would just start decaying. If you bought a gallon of milk and didn't bother to stick it in the refrigerator, what would you have to do for it to begin to spoil? Nothing. It would start to do that on its own. For all you (coughs) boaters, if you had a boat tied up on the river and you untied that rope, what would you have to do for it to begin to drift away. Nothing. Incidentally, if you have a bass boat and it begins to drift away and nobody's there, you have to swim to get it back. I won't tell you how I know that. But the natural propensity would be that these things would begin to wander from what they were created, from what they were. And it is the natural propensity of the human nature that we will not drift towards Christ. We will drift further 
and further away when left to our own devices. So what do I have to do, pastor, to drift away from God? Nothing. In fact, do nothing and you will basically ensure that you will drift away from God. All you've got to do to get further from God is to do nothing. So if we're going to acknowledge that there is a a tendency to drift away from God, then we need to look at a few things we need to do that we might avoid drifting away from God. And the first thing I think we need to do is we need to personally honor the Word of God. Look back at verse 1. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. So, so what are the things that we have heard? What's well, the things that are written? These are the things that have been heard. These are the things that we have by which to hear from God. Some translations even said, uh, because of what is written. But because of what have been heard, as the writer wrote to the Hebrews, he said, listen, your tendency will be to drift away from God. And so what you need to do is you need to give more honor and you need to give more respect and you need to give more attention to the things that you've been taught about God, the truth that's been revealed to you. And for us today, uh, it's that we need to give more earnest attention to the Word of God. That begins with, with that word, therefore, right? You know, if we see the word, therefore, we need to know what it's there for. So we got to look before, right? We've been through this before. Now, for the sake of time this evening, because I know it's a holiday weekend. Don't none of you want me to preach no longer than an hour. So I'm going to paraphrase chapter 1 for you just a little bit. Chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews is basically written about the power and the person and the preeminence of Jesus Christ. He is a better way, a better sacrifice, a better message. And, and it's, it's what we need to know is that Jesus is how that we pay, uh, we pay close attention to the Word of God. And really the whole chapter 1 is just lifting up what a great, uh, more perfect message that Jesus Christ is. The psalmist says it this way. He says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I'll hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. So I understand that there's a tendency to sin and a tendency to drift. So I should honor and hang on every single word. I need to submit to the counsel of the holy word of God. But not only should I honor the Word of God, but I should publicly hear the Word of God. So what are you talking about, Brother Jason? Well, that right there when it says, more earnest heed to the things we have heard. That phrase, we have heard. You say, well, brother, you're stretching, Brother Jason, to talk about the public hearing. You're trying to to tell people they ought to come to church. All you preachers do that. Y'all always tell people they ought to come to church. Well, no, I'm going to tell you that 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 phrase, we have heard, literally, uh, if you were to translate it back, means the audible or acoustic hearing of a public speech. Right there in the book of Hebrews, the writer is saying, we ought to honor what we hear and we ought to gather publicly To hear these words. Let me tell you something this evening. The person that disregards the public teaching of God's word is in grave danger of drifting away from God. Now I know it is Sunday night, Labor Day weekend, and I'm preaching to the folks that are here. I understand that. You understand that that the propensity 
to drift is there and that you ought to come and gather with the saints together and hear the public declaration of the word of God. You understand that. You're here. And I appreciate that more than you'll know. But let me also tell you that I have been in church long enough to have seen the person that never missed a Sunday night service, that taught Sunday school, become a part of the conversation of what they used to be. And it happens like that. It happens before you even know it. Some of you right now are looking around and you're remembering the person that used to sit behind you on Sunday evening, that used to teach your child in Sunday school, the one that used to be so faithful that they were a rock of Gibraltar in your life. And now you rarely see them anymore in the house of the Lord. And so we need to be prepared, even though I'm preaching to the ones who have come back on Sunday night on Labor Day weekend, those who are most uh, faithful to come and attend. I I'm preaching to you this evening, but I'm also telling you we need not forget that the public teaching of the Word of God is important. It is imperative. We need to moor our boats, so to speak, to the dock of the local church where the Word is proclaimed, where the Word is taught. That's what we are to do. Can you live a life that honors God without attending the local church? I don't know. Maybe. I think it would be difficult if you don't honor every word about gathering. But for the sake of argument, let's say maybe you could. But can I just tell you, you stand a whole lot better chance of honoring God and, and drawing nearer to God in the house than you do outside the house by yourself. We need to honor the word of God. We need to publicly hear the word of God. And we need to heed the word of God. Give the more earnest heed. That word literally means pay close attention. Right? It'd be like if I gathered you together and I said, all right, all right, all right, all right, everybody, I want you to listen to this. I want you to pay close attention. Everybody sit up straight, give me your eyes and give me your ears. Right? Sometimes I give directions to the kids like my other directions didn't matter. I'm like, this is the one that really matters. Sit up straight and listen to me, boy. That's what the writer is saying. We need to give more earnest. We need to pay closer attention to the words of God that we hear. Our tendency is to slip away. But he's given us a life preserver, so to speak, in the word of God that we might cling to and not just hear it, not just gather together to hear it, but that we might do something with it when we hear it. We need to remove the spiritual wax from our ears. James writes it this way. He says, be ye doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James is so poignant with his writing that says, if you're not one that responds in earnest by listening to the word and changing what you're doing, then you're deceiving yourself to even say that you're a believer in the first place. You're just giving lip service to the Lord. And the Lord doesn't need more lip service. He needs more disciples. The word for here is the word audit. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with auditing a college class, but basically it's the process of sitting in a class without having enrolled in the class. And a lot of, a lot of places will let you audit classes. 
But the person sits there and listens to all the lectures and hears all the teaching and does all of those things, but at the end of the class, they don't take the test and they don't get the credit because they didn't fully enroll. Can I just tell you this evening, we don't get the option to audit life when it comes to being a Christian. We're going to take the final exam. We're going to stand in judgment and we're going to have to give an account for what we did and what we didn't do whether or not we're counted righteous because we've been washed in the blood of the lamb or whether we rejected Jesus and we need the word of God alive in our lives impacting our lives and changing our lives it's not good enough to just sit and hear the word we need to practically heed the word as well. So there's a, there's a tendency we have to admit. There's a tendency to drift, drift away. And the way that we avoid that is by hearing and listening and heeding the word of God. But there's also a, a tragedy, I think, that we need to avoid. At the end of verse 1, that word for slip or drift is quite an interesting word in the Greek language. One way it's used, it's a term for a ship that was improperly moored to the dock. So, so somebody came in and Gilligan tied the, tied the boat up and he didn't do a very good job, right? He just wrapped it around the dock, but he didn't ever tie the knot. Another way that it was used is it's used to describe a vessel that had dried and cracked and all of its contents had poured out. So it would be like a wineskin, so to speak, that it, that it dried out and so all the wine had, had made its way out of the cracks where it had dried from. And third, it's used to describe an opportunity that had passed. There was an opportunity to do something, and the opportunity was no longer there. And so as we look, let us remember these, because there's, there's a peril in drifting away, isn't there? A, a boat that was prop, improperly anchored and begins to drift away, sometimes it, it happens slowly. I know sometimes, we, we go a lot of times in the summer... Uh, to Center Hill Lake, and we'll, we'll, we've got two, two big anchors that will drop out of the boat, one on the front and one on the back, and we'll throw that rope out, and, and when the rope quits falling and you get slack, you know your anchor's on the bottom, and you, and you tie it off, and then the kids jump off, and they go to swimming, and I usually find a spot out of the sun to hide, and before you know it, though, if you look and that anchor didn't grab a hold of a rock down there or, or grab a hold of something that, that gets it, the boat, you'll look at the land and you'll be, you'll be sliding away. And suddenly the tree that I was looking at is over yonder somewhere and the rope is, is tight. I was improperly anchored and, and I began to kind of drift. And I think of the people sometimes in the church and sometimes people disappear all of a sudden, but can, can, you, can you agree with me that most of the time they seem to disappear a little bit at a time? So slowly sometimes that you barely notice that they're slipping away, right? They used to come every Sunday night, now they only come on Sunday morning. They used to come to Sunday school, and now they only come to corporate worship. Before you know it, they used to come every Sunday morning, now they come every other week they used to come every Sunday morning and, and now they come every oh wait now they used to come every other week now it's about once a month 
And before you know it, it's when was the last time that they were here? It's kind of like a large tree that's blown over by a storm. Yeah, we notice it laying on the ground, don't we? And when it was standing tall, we thought everything looked healthy. But almost every time when the storm knocks down the big tree, if you looked at it, you would find that there were problems on the inside to begin with. It wasn't strong enough to stand anymore. And so when we examine closely, we'll find that most of the time when somebody starts drifting away from the local church and drifting away from God, on the surface, everything may look normal. And you may say, hey, I, I missed you last Sunday night. Oh, I was, I was just busy. I was just lazy. I was just, the, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get back into that. And on the surface, that's the response that you get. But if you were, if they were to be completely honest, you would find that on the inside, there's something going on. There's a drifting away from God. There's usually a conviction that they need not to allow this to happen, but there's just this drifting that's going away. And the corruption on the inside and the, the things that are pulling away just seem to tug them further and further away until suddenly church was that place they used to go. There's a, a peril of Drifting, there's a, there's a problem with, with the drying. You remember the second way that it was used? The container begins to dry, and then it begins to crack until all the content on the inside is just spilled out on the ground. And if we aren't careful as, as believers, we'll slip away further and further, and suddenly all that ambition and all of that ability to serve the Lord is just empty from the vessel that was once so full. The word reminds us, the word reminds us that if we aren't careful, the opportunities that are in front of us to serve our risen Savior may pass us by. Remember what I said this morning? It's not if we are his disciples, it's that we are his disciples. Can I just tell you that if the Pharisees couldn't silence the gospel, if Nero couldn't silence the gospel, if Caesar couldn't silence the gospel, if Satan couldn't silence the gospel of Jesus Christ, do you know who sure ain't going to silence it? That's a bunch of lazy Baptists. The message of Jesus will be proclaimed. You are the method by which it is to be proclaimed. But if you refuse to proclaim it, Jesus Christ will find a rock. He'll find a rock. Because something's going to cry out to the glory of Jesus Christ. Don't let the opportunity slip away from us because we're drifting further from God. Now, Real quickly as we close. There is a tendency to, to drift away and there's a tragedy that we must avoid but there are some things that we need to, to make sure of if we're going to avoid this tragedy in verse 2 we see that we can't be very comfortable in our sins it said if the word spoken through the angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward what does that mean every transgression and every disobedience receives a just reward well, 
What is the wages of sin? Death. Not the wages of some sin. Not the wages of a sin. Not even the wages of that guy's sin. The wages of every sin is death. And the just reward for that transgression will be paid. The question, if you're a believer, it was paid on a hill called Mount Calvary. If you're not, it will be paid by you. And so when the writer says that every transgression and every disobedience receives a just reward, that means that every single sin of every single person will be or has been punished. It received its just recompense in Jesus. Now this is every sin that we commit, every transgression that we commit, every act of obedience or disobedience that we do has a just reward. And Christ paid for our sins, and if we are believers, and we believe that Christ paid for our sins, it ought not be comfortable for us to continue living in our sins. Let me say that again. If we are believers... And Christ paid for our sins. We ought not be able to be comfortable living in our sins. Corinthians says that because he lives in us, that when we sin, we take him with us. We expose him to what we're doing essentially. We ought to have the mindset that if we are believers, when we slip slide away from God, we are are, are essentially saying what you did on the cross means nothing to me. I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do. We don't heed the importance of what Christ did for us. We don't need to be comfortable in our sins. We don't need to neglect the fact that we were saved by amazing grace, that we've gone from death to life by His mercy. And we need to conform to the Word of God. It says that He bears witness in the signs and the wonders of the Spirit. Where do we read about these signs and these wonders of the Spirit and the Word of God? Studying and conforming to this word of God is the only way that we will avoid drifting. And so I want to close this this evening with the same question that we opened up with. Have you ever been closer to God than you are in this moment? Has your communion and your joy and, and, and your service ever been better? Has it ever been sweeter than it is in this moment. And if it is, if it is, why are you drifting away? The word has not changed. God has not changed. Only you have changed. So would you come back to the word of God? Would you moor your ship in the word of God that prevents you from drifting away? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we come to you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy that we can be saved, Lord God. We thank you that we have from the writer in Hebrews a a challenge, Lord God. 
a challenge that we would recognize that if we're further from you than we've ever been in our lives, it's because that we have drifted away and that that peril is very real. So God, here this evening with the Sunday night crowd, would you convict us, move us, Lord, that we would leave any burden, any hindrance (coughs) that has moved us from you, that we would leave it here at your altar and that our service would be sweeter, that our attitudes would be better, that our communion would be stronger because God is your children. Lukewarm is not good enough. Set us ablaze, Lord God. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we sing? Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.